Hello and welcome to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast produced by me, Fraser McGrew, for Aleph Insights. In this series of podcasts, we take a look at interesting topics and discuss what we think they tell us about analysis and decision making. I'm here with Chris Ragg, Peter Coghill and Nick Hare of Aleph Insights. And this week we're discussing the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator. Peter, what is the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator? So the Myers-Briggs Type Indicator, which Fraser seems to have enormous trouble saying for some reason. <laughs> Maybe we'll have some, we'll have some offcuts for the, uh, <laughs> as a separate release. But um, it, it's a personality test. Um, it's a, to put it in a crude term, uh, developed by two academics, Myers and Briggs, uh, which uh, gives you a indication of the various different four different parameters of your personality, and as a result, uh, these are all sort of these are binary. There, so you can be one side of a scale or another, uh, and hence there are sixteen separate personality types, which are uh, fit quite well intuitively with types of people that you might recognise or p- ways that you might categorise people that you know. Um, so I won't go into the, the, uh, the, what the scales are because there's, there's tons of literature out there and Nick's going to go into a bit more detail about the science. But the, it's, a quite, it's a nice, easy test to implement. It just requires the, uh, the participant to answer 50 or so questions, um, uh, self-reporting on, on, very, on, a, on a little scale, and it, uh, your, your type is, is calculated from them. Um, okay, and... I think this is about the most prevalent or successful or um, widely um, used test that's out there. Is that about right? And it has been well, for some time. Yeah, and it yes, I think it is. Uh, it's quite. It's, it's been. I don't know when they when it was first published, but it... Uh, so it was. Um, it was first sort of devised. Its origins are in 1917, uh, but it it was only administered. Uh, it's only been administered since the 1940s. Um, but really, it sprang to prominence in the uh, in the 80s as a as a management tool, yeah. and companies like McKinsey and other. Um, consultancies yeah. like that started it started to gain a lot of traction then That's so a, a lot of people who work in an organization will have done something that is either this test or an offshoot of this yeah. test and so before before we go into the sort of hard science of whether it's valid or not um i think it's successful because it seems to chime with people's intuition and it's suitably detailed to be kind of Detailed enough to be useful, but not so simple that it's it, it's a bit sort of um, hand, too hand wavy and not very useful. Okay. Certainly, certainly anecdotally, people um, of certain types who I know have been tested, uh, they 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 have the, the the types are indicative of certain behaviour types or certain performance and certain tasks. Mm. Um, so it, I it, I can I can see why. Uh, from my experience, why it's a useful test. Okay. Um, in a moment, I want Nick to continue, but um, or to pick up. But just the reason why we're talking about this is just by chance, I did this test my, on myself a, a, a few months ago, and part of me thought, okay, this is great. This kind of fits. And actually, I wish I'd done it years before because I could have saved myself a lot of heartbreak in my chosen career path. Um, but the other part of it was it did seem to be a little bit self-selecting, or it's I. I you got asked questions like do you like being at parties and socializing pe- with people 
Um, and then the answer at the end, you're the type of person who likes being at parties. So it seemed a bit sort of self-referential. Um, Nick, is it useful? Yes. So the view among people who've sort of looked into it a bit is that it, it, it seems not very scientifically respectable. Uh, it's a bit like a horoscope and everyone kind of agrees with it because it generally says positive things about you. Um, and that uh, you, its origins are, as Chris mentioned, actually in Jung, the theory of sort of Jungian archetypes. So, um, uh, sorry, Jungian personality types uh which were you know more made up really by by Jung uh, just based on his personal experience and not um not not based on any you know what we would consider scientific method as such however it it, it is nowhere near as uh unscientific as as you would think so which sort of suggests something interesting but before i talk about that just you know in terms of what 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 are the criteria we want from a thing like this um well on one hand you know is it is it meaningful does it tell you something beyond just the answers to uh the mbti test so you know am i going to be able to predict anything about you which is not simply how do you how do you um uh, uh, how do you score on a on a Myers Briggs test? That's that's what I'm, uh, we want. Is that it mm. taps into something real, right? So in other words, that these scores on one hand, possibly you know the scores refer to some actual real underlying feature of yourself, which can allow me to predict something you'll do in a certain situation. Got it. Um, a stronger version of that would say, actually, these types, and I think this is closer to what Jung thought. The extroverts and introverts is a meaningful distinction and, and carves nature, as it were, at the joints, a bit like cats and dogs. You know, it's they're, they're different, re- interestingly and relevantly different types of people. Now, that's a bit stronger, I think, than the evidence suggests. But do the scores mean something? There is plenty of evidence, quite contrary to the to the sort of um, view that most people have, that it's just a load of, uh, you know, it's, it's astrology. Uh, there's plenty of evidence it lines up to, uh, to other real things. Um, well, so you've heard of the five factor, possibly hope, uh, heard of the five factor model um, of personality, which is openness, conscientiousness, extroversion, agreeableness, and neuroticism. Now that's that's generally what is used in sort of clinical psychology. Ocean or canoe. ocean, yeah, and it's um, it that is derived from large scale data analysis. So it's principal fa- uh, component analysis, factor analysis, where you look at correlations between features and and you know those five jointly explain a lot of things that are correlated so in other words if you know those five things about someone you can predict a lot about uh how they will behave um and and the mbti lines up uh very nicely with that and coster and mccray who were the academics who invented the the ocean or at least named it i identified and named it model um you know found that uh you know it, it, the, the extroversion and neuroticism were were correlated with ei type so uh, um uh, 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 yes, I mean, basically, an openness is correlated with um, uh, the SN uh, variable. Uh, T, uh, the agreeableness and neuroticism were correlated with the TF variable. So, you know, the point is that it correlates with something that is clinically respectable. Um, right. F- Furnham and Crump uh, in 2013 looked at the correlation between MBTI and, and a set of traits that are called the sort of dark side personality traits. These aren't not sci- not the dark side stuff like uh, being a psychopath or a sociopath. Or Jedi. Triad. Yeah, this is yeah. like, these are just things like, um, you know, sort of uh, stress reactions that people have that can derail uh, things uh, derail their interactions with people, and they found yes, 
you know, again, MBTI scores correlate with those. Um, Capraro and Capraro looked at its reliability over time and it and found that it was reliable. So that sim- under similar conditions, it produces similar results. A very interesting recent paper, which I'm not really qualified to judge the co- robustness of, but Ma and Liu last year tried to predict MBTI from writing style um, with a neural network and got an accuracy of 37%, which given that the base rate is one in 16, mm. um, is pretty good. Uh, and, you know, when people have analysed the, the, the answers um, to, to MBTI test, principal fat component analysis pulls out, uh, you know, things that actually line up very nicely with the, with the four factors that, that it, that it um, you know, purports to describe. So, uh, quite apart from and uh, you know and that is surprising because ge- it was genuinely sort of made up in a room i mean it wasn't based on analysis of data it was made up avowedly you know the myers and briggs y- drew from jungian psych- psychoanalysis which which is not terribly respectable and and kind of made this up but it it seems that jung was onto something because actually these these do a very good job of describing underlying features of um of you know people's behavior so so i'm just putting you know all of these haters about the mbti there are criticisms of it no doubt but what you can't say is not astrology got it Uh, it does mean something um okay before we take this in a different direction anything i mean on the question of validity of of this test um can you two want to jump into anything well i think it's interesting looking at at the uh you know the origins of it that um you know it was devised by a mother and daughter team and based on you know their their observations as well i think it was um uh, catherine cook briggs uh who was the mother who was particularly sort of um enamored enamored of um jungian theory and uh but she and her daughter concocted this this uh sort of approach based on on their observations of um you know particularly children early on um and i i I think that in itself is is uh quite an interesting story that it's it's not um it's not a standard devised set of uh you know um traditionally male academics having come up with something in a you know in a particular setting so um so that's quite interesting i think the 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 thing the thing that i um think is interesting is not necessarily the validity of the test itself but the way it is the way it is used and the way it's been taken and used and the way that it is now uh presented and um you know how organizations like the myers um uh, the myers briggs uh, foundation um act as custodians for it as an approach and how it's become a, a, an industry and something mm. that's rolled out i think that's that's very interesting mm. okay uh, sorry Peter. not not uh, not making comment about the validity of it but i think the appeal is because it's an, it's so simple to administer as a test you can you, if you if you if you believe in it as an employer and you think you need a nice balance of types in your teams and you're going to factor that into recruitment it's a 5 minute 10 minute job for somebody to complete the questionnaire and score it so it's, yeah. it, the appeal is partly that it's really nice and easy to to administer yeah and i i think even if it was a load of bollocks which as i said i think it probably isn't um it if 
fulfills a useful function which is giving a structure for people to talk about differences and I, I personally found that useful when I was managing people in the MOD um, just to be made to sit down and think well you know people aren't like you necessarily other people aren't motivated by the same things that you are and find things stressful that you don't and um, that's really helpful it's very helpful to think okay well what's this guy like okay maybe he's a bit more of an introvert which might be it might just be summarizing a whole basket of things it might not be particularly meaningful to say he scores less on this dimension but it enables me to think okay well in that case he's going to be kind of more much more stressed out about this event than than i am and he's probably going to need you know time afterwards to readjust and it's just re- it's helpful to give you some structure for thinking about those things mm. so yeah i mean i think it you know it sort of fulfills a useful role yeah um as an aside I, is, there a low, is there a lower aim, age limit for this Did i don't you know? know no I can check it out. I, I think that's what that does address one of the issues that is a criticism of of Myers Briggs, though, is that uh, it it has a an implicit assumption that personality is is unfixed, yeah. uh, and and that's you know that's one of the, the things that um, I, I mean I, do, I don't think I mean everyone who do, administers the MBCI is very keen to point out that it doesn't mean that and that mm. you can change and that most people are a mix of both and so yeah. on and you know so finding out that you're an extrovert uh, doesn't condemn you to being an extrovert for the rest of your life and maybe on Mondays you're not yeah. um, I've got one very powerful piece of anecdotal evidence go for it for, which is really what made me think this has got more to it than I've been told um, you sound I, like you're about to talk about um, astrology or crystal, or crystal ball glazing, <laughs> gra- glazing gazing go for it um, I call it the board game indicator. Ah. It's the SN axis, the mm. sensing versus intuiting. I have to say intuiting is a terrible piece of terminology. It's the opposite of what it means, really, as far as I understand it. Um, this is the axis which describes the extent to which you prefer to um, sort of assimilate information by direct contact with things versus uh, assimilate information through forming abstract models if you like and the classic example of that is if you had to sort of understand get to know a forest would you rather be down in the forest looking at it touching it or would you rather see it from an airplane or look at a map and uh i'm very much on the map end of that scale i'm very strong so i don't want to give anything away but the 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 thing is that um uh i i sort of thought well that sounds to me like something that would correlate with board gamers like you'd think board gamers might might be more inclined uh towards that abstract thinking because you know when you're playing a board game it seems to be the people who get on well with board games are the ones who are very comfortable with the idea of saying okay so here's my here's a counter and here's a map now i'm a german tank commander um whereas people who are not you know pe- people people who are more s types um, would be more inclined to say what's this got to do with being a german tank commander this is nothing like being in a tank um, anyway, so I did a survey among my board gaming friends and found that uh, something like 90% of them were, were came out as ends. Um, and this is against the general population, which is, I think, for some figures, three quarters S's. There you go. Right now, there's no questions on the MBTI about board, do you like board games? And yet this feature, which they identify, is certainly in my sample, which was uh, over 10 people, you know, was... was um, you know very strongly predictive of whether someone would like board games so there we are that's my anecdotal evidence i like it um okay so look let's go on to the next part of this which rather excitingly um we've all done the test ourselves and, and recorded what personality well we've done are. a version of it on the internet yes so that way, to be um, more specific 
you're very much of that type, aren't you? Um, the, what attempting to pedantic be, type, attempting yeah. to be correct about things. Sorry, guys. And um, and also, what we've done is we've devoted a little bit of time, about thirty seconds each, probably, of trying to guess or well, not guess, but work out what the other people amongst us here, which personality type uh, the others are. So let's launch into it. Um, and I'm not. And once we've sort of gone through that, um, I'm not sure how we'll finish it all off. But anyway, let, let, let's see where this leads. So I'd like to start off with Chris. Um, if you could tell us uh, reasonably briefly what you think, what your conclusions were regarding the personality types of us other three sitting here, go for it. Okay. Well, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna read them out. What I what I thought. Uh, I thought Fraser was an ENFP. Uh, I thought Peter was an INTJ, and Nick, ENTJ. Okay. Interesting. So, <laughs> Interesting. Pete, I'm sorry, uh, let's, so, very broadly, what's the ENFP type meant to be like? Uh, good question, I don't have it to hand, but uh, effectively... campaigners, enthusiastic, creative, sociable, free spirits. Okay, what's the INTJ meant to be like? They're the, um, uh, the mastermind. Okay, the, the ar- sort of yeah. architect. Architect. Yeah. architect. Um, and what's the EN- ENTG meant to be like? The commander. Okay, um, Peter. Uh, okay, so um, I'll come to Nick last. Fraser, I, I, I think you're sometimes called the entertainer, uh, an ESFP. Uh, the reason I think that is because I think you have a tendency for sensing rather than intuiting. Uh, I think you're... I think you you really care deeply about people more than about being right, so you're a bit more feeling than thinking. Um, and um, you're pretty sort of um, uh, open to challenging things, so you're not so judging, I think. Chris, I think you're a, an INTJ. So uh, you both thought I think, each other I was think an you're, INTJ. I think you're an architect, so I think you're quite sort of... Um, uh, deep think. I think you're probably more deep thinking than Nick. Uh, stronger. So when we get onto the scores, if we do, I think you. I, but I think you're extreme. I think you're probably extreme judger. So you're probably like on the higher end of judging. And Nick, I I think he's me. I think I look in the mirror every time I see Nick. Um, apart from body shape, oh, I think no. I think he's an INTJ. Okay, Nick. Um, I have got Chris pegged. Just like Peter, as an INTJ. Yeah. No, and the way I did this, by the way, was I thought about the features, the the actual scales. I wasn't looking at a kind of list of descriptions. I was trying to work out on each on each one. I'm not, to be honest, T and T, the T and TJ, the whole bit, the TFJ bit. I do, that doesn't mean much to me. Um, I can't make that particularly intuitive to me. But um, then uh, I have for Fraser, I also thought ESFP with a possibility of ISFP because I'm not sure about Fraser. He's very comfortable by himself. And I think, you know, wandering off by himself, I don't think he craves the company of others. I th- I'm going to say he's fairly balanced on the EI axis. And uh, Peter, I uh, thought ENTP actually. Um, and I think that uh, that uh, sort of P bit. Say that again, sorry. Uh, ENTP. Yeah. I think he's more ex- he's more experimental in the way that he thinks than I am. I think he's he's more of a kind of likes to play around with things much more than I do. So I so I I think very, sim- very similar to me, but I'm I've got him down as a 
as a uh, as an e, e and I wasn't sure about e or i either but I think I came to the conclusion that although Chris I think is it's to do with sort of wanting Peter's always got his uh, his video his hangout switched on he's always ready to receive company whereas Chris is desperate to get away whenever yeah, there's a ne- social event. Ne- never turns his webcam so on so I got never. him as a I've got him as an i and Peter as an e although I'm not I'd say I'm not I'm I'm going with they're probably both quite balanced before I decided whether or not I like your judgment what's that what's the kind of the character given to that uh, ENTP is known as the debater smart and curious thinkers who cannot resist an intellectual challenge these are all nice descriptions by the way yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah exactly so um, Fraser what do you got us pegged as I put um first of all look I think you're all quite similar. I think you three over there are quite different to me over here. That's the first thing I want to say. And the second thing is each of these there's actually four over overtypes, aren't there? Okay? And one of them is analysts. And I barely even looked at all the others and I just think well they're all quite geeky analysts these three. Um, but that, that, actually... that's as much analysis as, as your your yeah. SF yeah. brain exactly. could do. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, um i thought nick was entp um chris i thought intj and then which is the architect yeah we're all focusing on an intj yeah chris, and peter i thought intp funny but we, you've we've all of us have reckoned that all of us except fraser are nt and we all think fraser is an sf which is interesting yeah, um, and I think you're. I think that could be the where the big difference is between yeah. us. But anyway, well, we don't know the what are the answers. So, what are the answers, Chris? Can you reveal what personality type you are? Uh, well, according to the test I took uh, online, I am an INTP. Okay, so we we were all three out of four. So I'm gonna I'm gonna mark our accuracy as I'm gonna call that seventy five percent. So I got that right, yeah? Well, we were 70... No, you said INTJ. Oh, did I? So we're, we're 75% accuracy, and I'm just scoring each letter as, as yeah, right yeah, or yeah, wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Peter? Uh, I'm an E... According to the same test, so bear in mind, we've, we all took the same test, so there's some degree of standardization here. Uh, I'm an, I, uh, an ENTJ. Okay. I've got the ENT bit right, so that's 0.75. Fraser had the just the N and T bit right, which is 0.5. Didn't I say P as well? Oh God, make your bloody mind up! And Chris had uh, had him down as an INTJ, so he got point seven five. So the average is two thirds, point six six on that one, sixty seven percent. Okay, Nick, I am apparently a classic ENTJ, and that's what my test indicates. I have to say, I'm I am a bit wavery. I'm very, I'm not very E. I'm you know I'm fairly E, but not that E. Um, and I'm very wavery on the JP bit. I'm pretty much slap in the middle there. So, um, so I'm just going to score us there. We, uh, Peter got seventy-five percent. Thought I was on going to be more I. Fraser got seventy-five percent, and Chris got a hundred percent. So there we have two point five. Uh, that would be five. Uh, no, wait a minute. Um, two point five out of three. You're not very good at maths, are you? Five sixths. Five sixths. Okay, Fraser, spill the beans. ENFP. ENFP. Uh, so Chris was 100% correct. Um, and P- Peter and I were both 75% correct. So that comes out again at 5 sixth. We are, in terms of our accuracy, and this is against a baseline of, well, yes, we should be 50%. 
So baseline guessing would give us a score here of 50% if we were 50-50 on each of these letters. We have all come out at at least two-thirds and as high as five-sixths or three-quarters. So don't tell me it's not meaningful, right? Because we haven't seen each other's test scores. All mm. we know is each other's personalities. That yeah. is pretty impressive. Yeah. Oh, and also, interestingly, I mean, um, by the way, ENFPS are really cool people. We're, we're great fun to be around. That's all you need I'm to know. I'm surprised you're an N. I have to say, I'm not yeah. buying it because you are not you're not carried away and motivated by abstract thought. You think it's silly and you think people should just go and no, go and get true. on a surfboard and do something. Just do a thing. Just I, do it. You're I'm one more, of these let's do it guys. No, I'm more intellectual of, than you realise. I know, I know you are, but I'm saying your preference is to just look. We've done enough thinking. Let's just get stuck in. That's, that's, and that makes me think you're an S. And the, our experience playing Twilight Struggle, again, leads me to believe... Yeah, but I don't much like Twilight Struggle either. There you go. And also, I'm right. I mean, you you three, uh, I, I don't know. You've gone way. I need to look more into these axes. Well, let me just, let's just let's just. There's not much difference between you three. Yeah, it's worth, Peter. Did you say you're an ENTJ? So yeah, I'm I'm an ENTJ, but I am only weakly um, uh, extroverted. So I don't. I'm not far over fifty percent on the extroversion score. So quite close to being an introvert so Pete. quite close to uh, what uh, nick and chris uh, yeah well we we're both the same then according to this test so we're 100 percent similar we share uh 50 of our personality genes with chris and um we share 50 of our personality genes with fraser um whereas chris and fraser only share 25%. No, they share 50% of their personality genes as well. They're, they're, they're N and P types. So, uh, upshot, uh, we're all a bit too similar. I mean, to be honest, no. Peter and I are too similar. The similarity of everyone else with everyone else is exactly average, which is 50%. So, okay. yeah. Okay. So, look. Um... We're not that different, you and I. <laughs> God. Anyway, how do we finish this off? Well, I'd encourage listeners to go and do the test um, and see if it if it conforms with their intuition about themselves and with other people's intuition about about them. I mean, it might be it might be interesting to reflect on whether we felt our own scores were were right. So, having done the test, do we do we buy what our output was? Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good direction to go. And I, I yeah, I do agree with what mine says and I, I do recognize certain strengths which is i'm quite good with people i'm quite sort of fun and like doing exciting stuff and um and uh, anything bad you can say about yourself <laughs> well that's the that's the interesting oh, thing. i can and tell you what no, but no 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 no, no no and Got so no, one of, of my things. and absolutely one of the possibly the major bad thing is the you can be a bit of a dilettante if you're an ENFP and you're always changing around and doing different stuff and get bored of something and, and you end up having a crap career because you just you just keep changing all the time. Mm, gadfly. Yeah. Gadfly. So that's definitely one of the many bad things about an ENFP, which I recognised in myself. You're supposed, so, yeah. you're supposed to be slightly more likely to be uh, mischievous um, and diligent. Uh, oh, no, no, no. The, the, the P really works against diligence. So, yes, you, you've got sort of negative diligence 
uh, but but and high mischief factors. Yeah. And by the way, one of the other things that Peter mentioned was, hey, everyone should go out and try this. And I agree. What I found, actually, was if I go on YouTube, there are millions of videos on there about ENFPs, about how you can be a better ENFP. And, and I just wondered if it was the same with other types or it's just ENFPs are just quite self-obsessed and sort of shallow and doing this. So I don't know because I, I couldn't be bothered looking at other um, well, I think I think part types. of the part of the popularity <laughs> of this thing is we're all self obsessed, exactly. right? That's why it's um, that's yeah, why it's yeah. been such a phenomenon. Uh, Nick, do you agree with your well, type? He is because he's an INTP. No, I I, can, I'm, I only care about other people. <laughs> I, I sort of. I mean, I have to say, I'm so so very conscious of. Um, you know the the astrology effect of just mm. agreeing with anything vaguely positive that people say um i think the way that i approach problems is quite a entj like which is you know i cannot stand having problems and and tasks and things that are just sort of woolly and and you know i really want to break them down and organize things and you know get people to know what they're doing and you know which i think is um I'm, I'm sort of more much more extremely like that than than uh average people so so I, yeah I'm, i yeah i'm willing having said you know that i think this is scientifically credible yeah i mean i i do think it's kind of right okay so peter i mean i, I was slightly surprised i not i was surprised mainly by my extroversion because i don't feel that extroverted so mm. um through you know when i look at myself i would imagine myself to be more of an introvert um but I, I'm not sure I like the idea of a dinner party of just ENTJs because we'd have me and Nick, we'd have Steve Jobs, Gordon Ramsay, Margaret Thatcher, Jim Carrey, Franklin D. Roosevelt and David Petraeus. I think that'd be quite tedious. There'd be a, quite a lot of shouting around I've, that. Show, I've got, OK, uh, action point, idea for new uh, reality TV programme. <laughs> MBTI dinner party where you yeah. only have the same type altogether. <laughs> How cool would that be? I'd love to see a room full of INTJs all sitting there with their with their with their hands uh, in a Mr. Burns formation, silently <laughs> plotting how they can how they can undermine other people. Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, P- uh, Chris, did you talk about your own? Uh, no, I didn't. And I, I would say that I um, I'm probably sixty forty on it. So I so I agree with sixty percent of it, and I think forty percent of it is is doesn't resonate with with me. And I think and I think that's my sort of two my two fundamental problems with the whole process is one they they do do the classic horoscope thing of they tell you something positive about you at, at the front so that you swallow the rest of the pill and you go yeah of course I'm that guy now I'll sign up to all the rest of the stuff mentally and the other one is is that it's really yeah, it's used the way it's used or I've seen it used in an organization is um is almost like non-ethnic eugenics. You know, yeah. it's like right. I've now we've now found those guys over there. It's like those those social experiments where they made you know prisoners and prison guards, or you know, came up with uh, some kind of distinction. And it does it, it does encourage people to either act out their own personality or treat others as new stereotypes in some way. Yeah. Well, I, and I, I think it has catalyzed, uh, you know, it's the fact that it's really taken off over the last couple of decades has catalyzed a big discussion on the Internet. Less about, I mean, what I think, as I said, is really meaningful is NS. I think that's a really important distinction. Um, but the I, uh, the EI axis, you know, uh, everyone, I mean, introverts just will not shut up about it. God, they're so annoying. Um, you know, there are art- articles galore on the Internet about how it's OK to be an introvert. And we're like, yeah, we get it. OK, 
crying out loud. <laughs> okay. But uh, yeah, introverts have become, a, it's like they're constantly defending themselves against an imaginary extrovert who's trying to undermine them the whole yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> must admit, when I did the test and I did think, oh my, because I spent two and a half years as an analyst. God knows what I was doing in that job because anything anything on the ENF, ENFP personality uh, type the the last thing you should probably do is be an analyst, be an economist, something like that. But remember, you are not was, your you're not your Myers Briggs type. You can break you. out of it. I, yeah. yeah, there we go. Well, I think that's worth bringing. Just mentioning that people will break out of it, and it would depend on mood, depend on fatigue, depend on mental health, etc. That you will change depending on an age and everything. Sure, else. but I was desperately unhappy and and also desperately shit at that job as well. So <laughs> so yeah. Anyway. Right, let's stop there. So yeah, um, yeah. So I think our recommendation is, you know, if you haven't, uh, go and go and sort of try the test. If if nothing else, it's quite fun and and uh, and, and it's best can tell you something quite insightful about yourself. Um, okay, so thank you as always for listening to the Cognitive Engineering Podcast. I'm Fraser McGrewer, ENFP, um, here with Chris Rag, INTP, Peter Coghill, ENTJ, Nick Hare, also in the ENTJ crew. <laughs> Until next time, goodbye. Mm-hmm.